शो मित्रुण शोत्र बृहस्पति शो विष्णुक्रम नमो ब्रह्मणे नमस्ते वायो प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्मसी प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्म वदिष्यामि ऋतम वदिष्यामि सत्यम वदिष्यामि तन्मामवदु तद्वक्तारमवदु माम अवतु वक्तारम सहनावदो सहनो भुन सह वीकवाहै तेजस्वीनावधीतमस्तुम विद्वशावै छंदृषभ विश्व छंदोभ्योध्यमृतासंबूव समेन्द्र मेधयास्पृण शरीर मे विचर्षण जिह्वा मे मधुमत्तमा कर्णाभ्यांभूरी विश्रुव ब्रह्मण कोशोसी मेधया पीद श्रुत मे गोपा ओ अहम वृक्षरिव कीर्ति पृष्ठंगिरेव ऊर्धवित्रवाजिनीवस्वृतमस्मे द्रविणगुंसवर्चस सुमेधाअमृत क्षिदेत्रिशंखोर्वेदाचनम शाति 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 ओ पूर्णमदूर्णमदूर्णमुदच्यते पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादाय पूर्णमेव अवशिष्यते ओ शाति 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 श्रुतिस्मृतिपुराणस्मृतिपुराणस्मृतिपुराणस्मृतिपुराणस्मृतिपुराणस्मृतिपुराणस्मृतिपुराणस्मृतिपुराणस्मृतिपुराणस्मृ
ईश्वरो गुरुरात्मेरे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमवद्व्याप्त देहाय दक्षिणामूर्तये नमः अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अवांग मनसगोचरम अवांग मनसगोचरम आत्मानमखिलाधारम आत्मानमखिलाधारम आश्रये भीष्टसिद्धये आश्रये भीष्टसिद्धये अर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदान अर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदान अतीतद्वैतभानतः गुरूनाराध्यवेदांत गुरूनाराध्यवेदांत सारं वक्ष्येय सामदे सारं वक्ष्येय सामदे now we are discussing this topic of establishment of the true nature of the self how it was claimed by different <coughs> thinkers disputants or contenders rather how they present different notions we would say as the self <clears throat> the the grossest of them said that my child is a self so much attachment there is that that is considered we atma the next one said no it is not the child it is the body that is a self someone said it is not the body the sense organs are the self yet another one said not the sense organs the mind the pranas are the self prana means the vital force itself which one do you want temple spot no i asked him to this uh, because it gives this, this glare you know that's why we just kept it off yeah thank you then the others who said it is a mind the emotional faculty or the uh, doubting faculty whatever impulse that is the self yet other person said no it is intellect that is the self yet another one said it is ignorance that is the self yet another one said it is no it is consciousness conditioned by ignorance that is the self and finally the uh, buddha said it is the shunyam the, the nature of self is just void nothingness is the self and now the author is showing said in the passage 132 on the page 76 etesham putradinam anatmatvam uchyade how all of these beginning from sun right up to shunyam or right up to that void cannot be the self those those the people who claim them to be self really they present some reasoning for that they also present some statement from the upanishad or vedas also to show that and they also cite as an experience in order to justify what they are saying or in support of what they are saying but the reasoning as well as the kind of experience that they are advancing or 
this statement of the Upanishads of the Vedas that they are citing, all of them really are <coughs> fallacious. Inasmuch as they do not mean what these contenders would like them to mean. No doubt there is a statement of the Veda, but that is not the purport of the statement. We do have certain experiences, but when the experiences are properly analyzed, that is not what we arrive at. And some reasoning is presented, but that is what we call fallacious reasoning, really. It is not proper reasoning. And on account of that alone, they have arrived at these various conclusions. So it is interesting and important also for us to understand how, because of certain apparent or fallacious reasoning, or how, on account of not properly being able to understand the statement of the scriptures, that we arrive at notions or conclusions in our life. And it is not that those various contenders have those conclusions. Each one of us has these conclusions. At different points in time, we may have different conclusions. And that is because there is some experience which we interpret in a given way to arrive at a given conclusion. So these are the various possible conclusions about the self, that's all. So in the name of various thinkers or philosophers, all possible conclusions that one can have about the self are, were presented. And said how these conclusions are not, ra- not right because you cannot really when you understand the Upanishads properly and when you apply your reason properly or when you understand your experience properly, you will be able to understand that none of these conclusions is right. Etahi atiprakrudadivadivihi ukteshu shruti yukti anubhava abhaseshu puro puro ukta shruti yukti anubhava abhasanam uttarottara shruti yukti anubhava abhasehi atmattubhadadasanat Uttradinam anatmatvam spashtameva. Interestingly enough, as we have said several times in the past in course of the discussion, that the manner in which these conclusions were presented was a certain manner by which every following one dismissed or refuted the previous idea. So there was someone who said, My child is a self. And then another fellow came up and said, No, no, how can the child be a self? Because it is not the child is dearest to you. In a critical condition you find that this body is dearer than even the child when it comes to a matter of life and death. Until then perhaps it's okay. And so, then somebody said, no, this body cannot be the self. Yet another person said, the sense organs are the self because in absence of the sense organs the body cannot function. Yet another person said, no, the sense organs are not the self because unless the prana or the vital energy is behind the sense organs, even they also cannot function. Somebody said, no, even the prana also is not the self, because unless the mind, mind, it is the mind that directs the prana. Therefore, it is the mind that should be called the self. Yet another person says, no, no, mind is merely an instrument for gaining various experiences and performing different actions. But the one who even directs the mind, where the doership is, that intellect must be the self. Yet another person said, no, no, even the intellect also cannot be self, because in deep sleep even the intellect also is not there. Then what is there in deep sleep? Merely ignorance is the self. And therefore, ignorance is there in the deep sleep, so that should be called the self. Yet another person says, no, no, it's not that in the deep sleep there is merely ignorance, there is awareness also there. Because when I wake up next morning, I say that I slept happily and I did not know anything. That means that I did not know anything, the absence of everything was there, ignorance was there, but at the same time, I also had the experience, I did not know anything. 
meaning that I knew the absence of everything. And therefore the knowledge or awareness also is in the deep sleep. And therefore the self should properly be the consciousness as conditioned by ignorance. And yet other person says, no, no, shunyam or the void is the self. Because if the self was there in the deep sleep, then you should have experienced it. And since we have no awareness whatever in the deep sleep, therefore we say that shunyam or void is the self. So, each following one refuted each previous one. So we don't have to do anything. We just watch this process. And as we said, all you now have to deal with is the last fellow, the shunyavadi, or the person who proclaims that the self is void. And we tell him the self cannot be void because you cannot arrive at void. You cannot arrive at non-existence. You cannot visualize your own non-existence. There is no way. Is it possible for anyone to visualize one's own non-existence? It is not possible. In fact, the mind can never visualize non-existence of anything. Even when I say that the part is not there, it is with reference to an existent part that I say that there is no part. Is there a part in my hand, in my palm? Is there a part on my palm? No. Why do you say that? You say that with reference to an existent part. So in your mind you think of a part and then you dismiss that part and then say that there is no part on my ha- in my hand. And so even the non-existence that we appreciate, absence that we appreciate also is with reference to an existent entity. You cannot really visualize non-existence as such. And suppose you dismiss everything from your mind. And there is total void as far as your experience is concerned. Even then what? The very experiencer always remains. And therefore the experiencer can never be negated. You, I can negate everything, but I cannot negate the negator. The very process of negation has to stop at the one who is negating. And therefore, void or non-existence can never be a matter of our experience. You can never arrive at it nor can you ever justify non-existence as the ultimate reality because ultimate reality is the one who proclaims non-existence because his non-existence can never be arrived at. And thus we showed how all those contentions are are wrong. So putradinam anatmatvam spashtamayva spashtamayva. It is very clear that all those entities beginning from the child right up to shunya, they cannot be the self because each one, each following one, as though dismissed or refuted the previous one. <coughs> okay, now the next question arises, which also has to be answered. And that is, that look, all of that, those people presented a certain reasoning. All of those also cited certain quotations from the Vedas. And all of them also justified their conclusion based on certain experiences. So, merely by, just because every following one refuted the previous one does not mean that they are all wrong. After all the statements of the Upanishad that they cited, they must, they must be valid because you say that Upanishads are Pramanam. And so if the Upanishad says that the body is a self at some point in time, it must be a valid statement. Then how do you say that their conclusions are wrong? So now, not only it is enough to say that they are wrong, but we must also show what is right. And so next passage shows what actually Upanishads or the scriptures have to say about the nature of the self. 
it is not only that we are satisfied by merely refuting the opponents by showing the fallacies in the thinking, but it is also necessary for us to show what actually Upanishad says in various places about the self. And this is what is stated in the passage 134. Kincha Pratyaka Asthulaha Achakshuhu Apranaha Amanaha Akarta Chaitanyam Chinmatram Sata Ityade Prabalashrudi Virodat Asya Putrade Shunya Pariantasya Jadasya Chaitanya Bhasya Twena Ghatadivata Anityatvat Aham Brahma Iti Vidvat Anubhava Pravalyacha Tattata Shruti Yukti Anubhava Abhasanam Baditatvat Abhi Putradi Shunyaparyantam Akhilam Anatma Eva Long passages. Okay, not only Kincha and furthermore, last sentences, last uh, expression, Putradi Shunyaparyantam Akhilam Anatma Eva. Further, also we will say, how everything beginning from the child right up to Shunyam or the non-void is non-self. So not only we are just because they refute one another that we are saying that they are wrong, but Prabhala Shruti Bihi. So on account of the various Shruti statements, statements the Upanishad also, which are Prabhala. So there are Nirbala and Prabhala. There are primary statements and there are secondary statements. So this is how we have to understand properly the Upanishads or any text for that matter. <coughs> As we said, the Upanishads are a tradition of teaching. So we do in every scripture, which are revealed scriptures, there are always contradictions, apparently. So people, ordinary people have lots of difficulties with any scripture. Whether you take it by, take Bible or even Bhagavad Gita or take the Upanishads, we are going to have difficulties because we seem to find apparently contradictory statements. And so how do we understand? As I say, that the Father is in the heaven, then one statement we made. Or the kingdom of heaven is within, within you, another statement we made. Or the Father and I are one, yet another statement we made. Let's say in Bible. And these statements seem to contradict. One statement says that the Father is in the heaven, meaning away from me. Another statement says the kingdom of heaven is within me. And yet another statement says that the Father and I are not really different. So are these wrong? We have to see the context in which these statements are made and that is how we have to understand the purport of the statement. 
So here in India, they have developed a very sophisticated method of arriving at the purport of a given text in order to be able to not only reconcile but to appreciate what is the purport of a given statement. And therefore, when we really analyze the text, the Upanishads, Shruti as well as Smriti like Bhagavad Gita, with this method of arriving at what is the purport or the theme of this text, then we arrive at what we call the primary theme. That is what we call Prabhala Shruti, the primary Shruti, primary statements. And then there are what we call supporting statements, which are called secondary statements, Avantaravakya. So what all those fellows presented were some statements from here and there, which were presented here without, out of context, but when we analyze those statements with reference to the context and the various criteria, then we arrive at what is the purport of the Shruti. <coughs> Kincha Pratyaka. Shruti says, Atma is Pratyak, Atma is inner. Kasiddhiraha Pratyak Atmana Maikshata. Says Upanishad that God has made the sense organs in the mind extrovert. And therefore, man always looks out in search of truth. However, Kasiddhiraha, it is some wise man. Pratyagatmanamaikshada, he saw the truth as the very self. Avrutta Chakshuhu, when Avrutta Chakshuhu, when he, he, he withdrew his sense organs to the mind, meaning, meaning that when he focused his attention on the self, Amutattvamichan, desiring immortality, so far he was looking at you know, he was, he was looking in the world in search of immortality, as everyone is searching. But some wise man, understanding the nature of the objects of the world and nature of the world, focused the attention on the self and discovered the self as immortal. So, kastiddhiraha pratyagatmanamaikshada. There is what we call exterior self and there is what we call the interior or internal self. So, this body, mind, etc., also may be called self in a secondary sense because we do identify with them. But our identification of the body, etc. is not consistent. Whereas our identification with that inner self is consistent. In the dream state I don't identify with this gross body. In the deep sleep state I don't identify even with my mind. But in all these states I do identify myself with that self which is the inner self which is the nature of existence or awareness. And therefore, my identification with that self is consistent. So it's called Pratyagatma, the inner self. The word Pratyag is also explained as Pratilomena Anchadidi Pratyag. So that which shines as quite contrary to the rest of the world. The world is, is inert, world is uh, exterior, world also is uh, impermanent. And that which is interior, that which is conscious, that which is permanent is called Pratyak. And therefore, self, the Upanishad says, Atma, the self is Pratyak. It is inner and not outside of you. <coughs> Asthulaha, another statement from Brahadaranika Upanishad, Asthulam Ananu Akhraswam Adirgham. While revealing the nature of the self, the teacher says, the self of the truth is asthulam, not gross. Ananu, not subtle or tiny. Akhraswam, not short. Adirgham, not long. So thus, 
All these notions are negated. It is not fat, it is not lean, it is not tall, it is not short. Why is it necessary to say that? Because I think that I am fat, I am lean, I am tall, I am short. That shows that these attributes of the body are superimposed upon the eye and therefore I entertain these notions about myself. And so the Upanishad says, Asthulam Ananam Akhraswam Adirgham. So Atma is, somebody said the body is a self. So the first fellow said, the child is a self. Something external to me is a self. Upanishad says, no, Pratyagatma, the self is inside you and not outside of you. Yet another person said, the body is a self. Says, no, no, self is asthulam, non-gross, non-subtle, not fat, not lean, not tall, not short. Meaning thereby that the body is not the self. <coughs> Yet another person said, that the sense organs are the self. Then it says, achakshuhu, achakshusrotram, tadapanipadam, mundako upanishad says. Achakshusrotram, what's the nature of the self? That is without the eyes, without the ears, without the hands, without the legs. And another Upanishad says, that which hears without the eyes, I mean that which hears without the ears, that which sees without the eyes, that which runs everywhere without the legs, and that which grasps everything without the hands. So that is the self. So self is that which doesn't have eyes and ears and hands and legs. So sarvendriya gunabhasam, sarvendriya vivarjitam. The, the thing is, that it appears as though functioning through the sense organs. It appears as though possessed of the sense organs. It appears as though one with the sense organs and therefore this notion is created in us that I, the self, is possessed of eyes and ears and hands and legs. But now, it is sarvendriya gunabhasam that which appears as though functioning through all the sense organs. Sarvendriya vivarjitam but that is devoid of all the sense organs. It is in the presence of the self that the eyes, ears, hands, legs, everything function. Everything functions. Without the self, they cannot function. But it is not the self that functions through, you know, and therefore it's not the self is possessed of eyes and ears. And so this contention that the sense organs are the self is denied or refuted or, de- or dismissed by this statement of the Upanishad, Achakshusrotram Tadapani Padam. The self is without eyes, ears, hands, legs. <coughs> then yet another person said, Pranaha, the vital force is the self. Says, Aprana, Shamana, Shubraha. Again Mundaka Upanishad says, what's the nature of the self? Aprana. It is devoid of prana, devoid of vital air, Amanaha, devoid of the mind. So it is Pranasya Pranaha. It is that because of which this vital forces or, you know, the life forces function. The life force is not the self, but that because of which the life force functions. The mind is not the self, but that because of which the mind functions. <coughs> See how beautifully our attention is just slow, the focus of our attention is just changed. Our attention presently is reverted to these things, to the body, to the sense organs, to the prana. And therefore they are taken to be the self. And slowly and slowly our attention is shifted. So focus of attention is shifted. It says, no, yes, the vital force is there, the life force is there. And it is true that the body cannot be alive without that. But still, 
that is not the self the self is called pranasya prana it is even the vital force of the vital force meaning that because of which even the vital force is even gains its vitality that is the self aprana amanaha somebody said that the mind is the self again the upanishad says amanaha amanaha means it doesn't have the mind as can upanishad says yen manasana manude yen ahur manomatam says that which cannot be comprehended by the mind but that because of which the mind comprehends so don't look at the thoughts but then that because of which the thoughts are able to you know you are able to think or that because of which the thoughts are able to uh, illumine their objects so that because of which the thought shines so that is a self amanaha yet another person said the buddhi or the intellect is a self because the kartrutvam or the doership is in the intellect and so intellect has the sense of agency the doership and then that directs the mind to perform various functions and therefore the buddhi or the intellect should be called the self she is no akarta anantas chaatma vishvarupo shakarta says shvetashvata upanishad that atma is akarta atma is non doer karmani akarmaya pashet akarmani che karmaya the one who appreciates the non doer in all the doing that is the knower of the self so in spite of all the actions being taking place the self remains actionless in presence of the self all the actions take place but the self never performs actions or participates in action therefore akarta so this buddhi the intellect whether kartrutvam or the doership is or where the sense of agency is even that also is not the self yet another person say that in ignorance is the self this is no chaitanyam nachastavetta mama chit sadaham says kaivalya upanishad chit sadaham i am always ever chit meaning ever conscious i am so i am the nature of consciousness therefore ignorance is not the nature of the self yet another person said that consciousness conditioned by ignorance itself so he says now chinmatroham sadashivah i am purely awareness with no touch of any ignorance at all so it is said tamasaf parasta the self is beyond the darkness of ignorance and therefore it is pure light of knowledge or pure light of intelligence chinmatroham sadashivah somebody said asat non existence is the self he said no sadeya somme idamagrasi said chandogya upanishad that all of these universe was sat or pure existence before its creation and therefore the whole universe resolves into pure existence it does not resolve into void every when you examine the things it all resolves into pure existence every name and form ultimately finds its resolution in this pure existence it is existence that alone manifests itself in the form of these various names and forms is awareness alone that manifests itself as all these various thoughts it is and our fullness alone that manifests itself in the form of these various experiences of happiness so we come across the existent world of names and forms we experience the various thoughts characterized by names and forms and we have various experiences of happiness what is the content of all of them that every name and form ultimately resolves into pure existence which is devoid of name and form every thought resolves into pure awareness 
And every experience of happiness results into total happiness or fullness. And therefore, Satchit Ananda, that is the nature of the self. And not void. Don't think that the life is... If, suppose void or non-existence with the truth, that means life has no purpose at all. You mean all that we are doing and all that exists is, has its basis in nothing? Of course, subsequently, the later thinkers of Buddhism showed that Shunyam does not mean void. Then it means something similar to what we call Brahman, in which case it is not a separate school of thought anyway. But if Shunya means what they, the word means, namely void or non-existence, then it just does not make sense. How can there be void or non-existence in life? Life has to have a certain basis. <coughs> so tat satyam saatma, the whole universe is all into sat or existence. That very existence is truth, that itself is a self, and that you are. This is how the Upanishad reveals the nature of truth. Ityadi prabala shruti virodhat. On account of the fact that various statements of shruti cited by those people, they are dismissed by or they are refuted by this strongest statement of shruti, meaning all those statements also have a certain meaning, but then ultimate purport of the Shruti is in conveying the Self, which is not the body, not the sense organs, etc. Asya putradi shunya pariyantasya endeavor. This everything beginning from the child right up to the void is shown here to be non-self. <coughs> and secondly, the reason also is given. All right, what is the Self? Self is Everyone knows self is conscious being, definitely. I or the self is not inert. So a very interesting discussion once we had, a question we had. At some place, one talk was given and then the uh, session for the question answers began. And this was a talk given in a, uh, in a research laboratory. So various scientists and all these people were present. And one of them asked this question after listening to the talk. This Swamiji, the truth is matter, isn't it? What is the truth about the whole creation is matter or inert? I said, please tell me, are you inert or conscious? So I am conscious, that's it. And how do you say that the truth is inert? So everyone knows this, that the self is conscious, there is no question about it. Whereas everything other than self is inert. How does it Chaitanya Bhasyatvena? What is called conscious and what is called inert in Vedanta should be very well understood. Whenever we use the word consciousness, very often we confuse it with sentience. Or when we use the word consciousness, often it is confused with a state of mind. So states of consciousness, etc., when we have used these expressions, often it is a mind that is taken to be consciousness or a given thought or a cognition or a given particular knowledge like the knowledge of the part or the cloth that is taken to be consciousness or the sentiency is taken to be consciousness. But in Vedanta consciousness means that which is self-effulgent, which shines by itself and which does not require anything else to illumine that. <coughs> in what is called inert? Inert is that which needs something else to illumine. That's called inert. 
In that sense, this body is inert. Even though the body exhibits consciousness, it is moving and walking and talking, and still it is inert. Why? Because the body does not reveal itself. In order for you to know this body, of knowledge. Meaning, either you should see, or touch, or hear, or something like that. Unless one of the means of knowledge is operated, there is no way that you will be aware of any object of this world. <coughs> these objects of the world can only be known by us, meaning that these objects of the world can only reveal their existence, only when they are illumined by our sense organs. This should be known. From that standpoint we say that all the objects of the gross world are inert. Even though they may be moving about and sentient and everything else, still we say that they are all inert because in order to reveal their existence, it is necessary that they should be illumined by our sense organs. But then Swamiji, sense organs are conscious because they are illumining the objects. We say no, even sense organs are also inert. The eyes and ears and all of these sense organs, which illumine their respective objects, they are also inert. Why do we say? Because the eyes, ears, these sense organs require the mind. If mind were not there, the sense organs also would not be able to illumine their objects, and therefore the sense organs are also inert. Does it mean then that the mind is conscious? We say no, even the mind also is inert. Because what is mind is nothing but a series of thoughts. And the thoughts also could not be known unless the thoughts were illumined by consciousness. Rupam drushyam, lochanam druk. All the forms that we encounter are all drushya, meaning seen or objectified. So that which can be objectified is inert. And that which objectifies is conscious. This is a general rule. So that which objectifies is conscious and that which is objectified is inert. Inasmuch as all the external objects are objectified, so they are inert. Our sense organs which objectify, they are conscious. Again, sense objects are also objectified, so they are inert. The mind that objectifies is conscious. And the mind also is objectified or known, that also is inert. And the self which objectifies the elements of mind, that alone is conscious. So by this definition of what is conscious, conscious is that which is self-effulgent and that which illumines everything else. What is inert? Inert is that which does not illumine anything else, nor which illumines itself. That which requires another light of consciousness to reveal itself is called inert. From that, de- by that definition, the whole universe beginning from the child, right up to Shunyam of the void, all of that falls in the category of Jada or inert because they are not self-effulgent. Suputradi Shunya Pariyantasya Jarasya Chaitanya Bhasyatvena Ghatadivat Anityatvad. And anything that is inert, anything that can be objectified, has to be impermanent. That which is objectified, or that which is illumined, or that which is known, can never be permanent. The permanent or the everlasting can never become the object of your person, that cannot be objectified, let us say. That which is permanent can never be objectified. Why do you say? Because whatever can be objectified has to be limited. Because whatever can be objectified has to become the object of perception by the senses. 
And you know very well that the sense organs can only perceive that which is limited. The eyes can perceive only a certain band, range of colors and then not even beyond that. And the eyes can perceive that which is in the present, not that which was in the past or not that which will come in future. And therefore, every sense organ is highly restricted in terms of its knowledge. Meaning, whatever the eyes can objectify or perceive has to be limited in time, limited in place, limited in objectivity. And that is true with every other sense organ. The, the, the ears and whatever, all the organs of perception, whatever they can objectify has to be limited. <coughs> and even the mind also, whatever the mind objectifies, whatever the mind knows, that also has to be limited. Because mind also is a limited faculty. Mind can also know what is in the present. It cannot perceive, it can remember what was in the past, but cannot know, or mind also cannot know what is in the future. Even if there are certain minds which have the capability of knowing something in the past or the future, it is still going to be limited because mind can only know one thing at a time. It cannot know everything simultaneously. And that being the case, whatever can be perceived or objectified by the sense organs in the mind has to be limited. And that has to be limited in time, limited in place, limited in condition. It must have birth and therefore it will have death also. In short, yadrushyam tad jadam tad anityam. That which is perceived or objectified is inert and that is also perishable. So anything that we can come across is going to be perishable. Anything that we can know is going to be impermanent. Therefore, if you come to know self, suppose, as an object of knowledge, if you come to know God also as something different from you, understand that that is also going to be perishable. Anything. So anything that is known as separate from the knower is inert, is impermanent, perishable, and therefore cannot be the self. Therefore it says, ghata divat anityatvad. Just as ghata or a part which is known is therefore impermanent and so also everything beginning from the child which was quoted, which was cited as a self, right up to shunyam or the void, has to be impermanent, therefore it cannot be the self. Because self is self-effulgent, self-existent. Self is that, or the truth is that, which does not depend upon anything else for it to exist. Sometimes children also pose very interesting or embarrassing questions. Not embarrassing, but they can put you to spot, you know. <laughs> the other day in Ann Arbor, we had this talk and then question answers were there. And little children were sitting there. One six or seven year old fellow says, asks me, Swamiji, who created God? Of course, it's a very common question. I said, nobody created God. And why is he there? How is he there? How does God exist? I say, he just exists. There's no reason why he exists. Now, how can you explain to the child? To the illness I can say, why is the fire hot? I asked him. I said, why does, so when I drop something from my hand, why does it fall down? It's because of gravity, you know. So, okay, why is the fire hot? Because it cannot but be hot. Why does the sun shine? Because it cannot but shine. Similarly, so why is the truth there? It cannot but be. Why is God there? Why is the self there? It cannot but be because to be is its nature. 
you cannot ask this question why the water fluid is nature why the fire hot is nature why is the sun bright is nature and so also why is the truth is why is it because it is its nature and therefore that which is was that of which the nature is to be and therefore that which is not coming to existence but which has always been nayam bhutva bhavitavan bhuyah lord krishna says that there never was a time when the self was not and it came into being or there never will be time when the self is and will go out of existence meaning it ever is <clears throat> and so that which ever is that which does not require anything else to be an ornament requires gold in order for it to be what it is but what does gold require doesn't require so whatever be the form of ornament just as gold cannot be denied gold always is and so also wherever any name and form is their existence is because asti every name and form is every object is and that isness can never be denied regardless of what you do you can never get rid of from your mind the idea of is so there is a lump of clay is you shape it in the form of a pot pot is you break the pot the pieces is even you further grind it into powder the powder is but something will always be in fact your mind can never be void there always is something in the mind even when we say there is absence of everything then also something is there that appreciation of absence something is always there that cannot be shunyata that can never be void you can never in fact uh, arrive at the concept of not non existence you can never see the non existence of yourself or you cannot arrive at this that i am not you regardless of what efforts you make you can never arrive at this i am not this kind of a thing one can never arrive at or that i am not conscious even that also one cannot arrive at so to be and to be conscious and to be complete is just the nature of the self is no reason why it is complete not for any reason something is the ornament is because gold is gold is because earth is earth is because water is water is because fire is for everything there is a reason to be why is the self there because it cannot but be this happiness is because of some reason why are you happy because of this but why is the self happy it cannot but be and thus that which is for no reason at all that which shines for no reason at all that which is complete for no reason because that is its nature and therefore that is self existing self shining self sufficient that is the nature of the self everything else exists on account of some reason shines on account of some reason or becomes a source of happiness because of some reason where the self is what it is without any reason <coughs> ghatadivat anitat anityatvat so shruti statements statements of the scriptures were cited reason also is given here that everything beginning from childhood up to shunyam is jadam inert impermanent therefore cannot be self self which is self shining is self existent everything else shines on account of self i am and because of that everything else that's what lord krishna says 
Masthani Sarabhutani, Nachaham Tesho Vastita. They all are because I am, but I am not because they are. I am because Nacha Masthani Bhutani. I am because I just cannot but be. <coughs> and finally, Aham Brahmaiti Vidvat Anubhav Prabalyacha. And what is the most prabala? That is also another important thing. That every experience can be denied or negated or refuted by some other experience. Every experience about I can be improved upon, can be changed, can be negated. But this experience of the wise man, Aham Brahma, I am Brahma, I am limitless, or I am complete, I am self-existent. That cannot be denied by any other experience. It cannot be contradicted. See, that I am the body, that I am tall, can be contradicted when I come in contact with some other tall person, then I become short. Or that I am short can be also, can also be improved upon or corrected when I, I in reference to somebody shorter than me, I become tall. Or that I am so and so, that experience also is denied when I am dreaming when I become something else. If that also is denied when I am in, in, when I am fast asleep. So every experience or every conclusion that I have about myself is denied on, by, on account of a stronger or a different experience. But what is the strongest experience about the self which cannot be denied, which will validate under every condition? Aham Brahmaiti Vidvat Anuha Prabalyacha. This Vidvat means Vidvat Anuha, the experience or this knowledge of the wise man. And what is that knowledge? Aham Brahma. I am limitless. But Swamiji, how can, that will be discussed subsequently. Even when a wise man is, knows himself as limitless, then how does he still function through the body? When he knows everything to be one, does the duality still remain? Yes, the duality is not opposed to the non-dual. Functioning through the body is not opposed to the knowledge of the self being limitless. And therefore, once that knowledge of self comes, then we find that no other experience contradicts that. That I am the body is contradicted by another experience of my own. But that I am Brahma cannot be contradicted by any other experience. Tadatmanameva Aved Aham Brahmasmidi Tasmat Tatsarum Abhavat Yatisha Vidvat Anubhavatvam. So, Prabhadaranika Upanishad presents this Vidvat Anubhava or the knowledge of the wise man, the vision of the wise man, let us say the wisdom of the wise man. Tara Atmanam Ave, then he came to know the self. How? Aham Brahmasmiti. Then the wise man came to know the self that I am Brahman. Tasmat Tatsarum Abhavada. On the strength of that knowledge, on account of the knowledge, Tatsarum Abhavada. He became everything. So far he was a small little being. By really rec- discovering the true nature of the self, he became everything. How do you become everything? You discover that you are everything. What do you mean by everything? Because only one thing, and that's what you are. And the idea that there are many things, that idea also gets refuted, or it also resolves into discovery of that, which is one in and through everything. <coughs> And once this knowledge comes, once this right perception comes, no other perception will contradict it. Even the knowledge of non-duality is not contradicted by the perception of duality. 
the knowledge of the complete self is not contradicted by my functioning as a limited being because I know that the limitations all belong to the body and the mind and I don't bother about those limitations. Right now those limitations are so important, I am I'm suffocated by my limitations constantly, struggling with them. Then I realize that the limitations do not belong to the self. Unfortunately today I am constantly in the process of overcoming the limitations that don't belong to the self. The limitation that belong to the mind or the body, I impose upon myself and I am constantly in the process of overcoming them, doing something and struggling. That is a total freedom or relief, knowing that these limitations are not the limitations of the self. They are the limitations of the body. And regardless of what you do with the body, it is going to remain limited. Regardless of what you do with your mind. That doesn't mean that you don't do with your mind, anything with your mind. It's, that's not the point. The point is, in spite of doing a lot of things, you realize that the mind is going to remain a limited entity. And that these limitations do not belong to I. And when that discovery takes place, as we said, no experience contradicts this knowledge. Otherwise, all the conclusions are contradicted by some other conclusions. But this knowledge cannot be contradicted, improved upon, corrected or falsified by any other experience. So, vidvat anubhav prabalya. It is really the prabalyam, the anubhava, the experience of the wise man is the that which cannot be negated. So, prabalya cha tatta shruti yukti anubhava avasanam bhadi tattvadapi. And also we showed how every statement of the shruti is cited by them and the reasoning as well as the experience, all of them are refuted. Putradi shunya paryantam Akhilam, Anatmaeva, and therefore we say that everything beginning from the child, right of Shunyam, which was taken to the self, all of that really is Anatma, non-self indeed. <coughs> then what is the self? The passage 135 says, Ataha Tattad Bhasakam Nitya Shuddha Buddha Mukta Satyasvabhavam Pratyakchaitanyam Eva Atma Vastu Ite Vedanta Vidvat Anuhavaha Ataha, therefore, bhasakam. in fact, that which is the illuminator of all of this, that which illumines the body, mind, all the objects, the body, mind, sense organs, is that which illumines them all, as we said earlier, bhasakam. that which is self-effulgent and that which illumines everything else, nitya shuddha buddha mukta satya svahavam pratyakshetanyameva that what is Atmavastu, what is the true nature of the self? Pratyak Chaitanyam, Chaitanyam, the consciousness which is inner, which is intimate. So self is that which is most, when we say in, inner, we mean that which is most intimate. By inner we mean that which is my very being. And so we use this expression in the core of my being and the inside of my being. Although the inner and such expressions are not meant with reference to space or anything, inner is not something that contradicts the outer. 
But still the word inner is used only in order to shift our focus of attention from these non-selves to the selves. We use the word witness again to shift the focus of attention from those things which are witnessed. Sataha tattat bhasakam That which illumines all of this. That which illumines the sense organs, sense objects. Illumines the body, illumines the sense organs. That which illumines the mind. Yan manasana manude yan ahur manomatam That which cannot be comprehended by the mind, but that because of which the mind comprehends. Yadvacha anubhidhidam yenavag abhidhyate That which cannot be revealed by the speech, but that because of which the speech reveals. Yad pranayana napraniyate yena pranapraniti So, that which cannot be breathed by the, or that which cannot be enlivened by the, by the prana, but that because of which the prana is enlivened. So, tattat bhaskam. That's why Kyanopanishad beautifully says, Shrutrasya Shrutram. Manasaha manaha, vachoha vacham. It is the ear of the ear, the mind of the mind, the speech of the speech. So, when you are thinking about the self, focus attention, where should the attention be focused? Not upon the ears, but that because of which the ears are able to hear. Not upon the eyes, but that because of which the eyes are able to see. Not upon the mind, but that because of which the mind thinks. That because of which the mind shines. That's why it is said, Tattat Bhasakam. The self is the illuminator of each one of this. Each one of this is illumined, and therefore inert, therefore impermanent, and that which illumines them all. And what is it? Nitya. Everything is impermanent. The self is nitya, permanent. Shuddha, everything that we come across is impure. The self is the embodiment of purity. Buddha, everything that we come across is inert. Self is intelligent. Mukta, everything that we come across is bound, limited. Self is free or limitless. Satya, everything that we come across is false. False meaning it is, is mitya. It's just an appearance. Self is that which is true or the very basis of this appear, apparent creation. Nitya Shuddha Buddha Mukta Satya Subhavam Pratyak Chaitanyam That inner self, you may say, or the self which is the core of my being, Atma Vastu Iti Vedanda Vidvat Anubhava This is the Anubhava, the experience of Vidvat, of the wise man, based on Vedanta. Earlier also are experiences. That the child is the self and I am the body, I am tall and I am short, I am happy, I am unhappy. These are also experiences, no doubt. But each of the experiences, each of these experiences is contradicted by another experience. That I am happy is contradicted by another experience, I am unhappy. That I am tall is contradicted by another experience, I am short. I am right is contradicted by another experience, I am wrong. But that I am Brahman cannot be contradicted by any experience. Tall also can be Brahman and still tall. I am Brahman and still short. I am Brahman and still right and wrong and happy, unhappy, whatever it is. None of these are all states of mind which do not in any way contradict or displace Brahman. So that I am Brahman, that experience can only displace by any other experience. One golden ornament can displace another golden ornament, but just as no ornament can displace gold, and so also one frame of mind will displace another frame of mind, one conclusion will displace another conclusion, 
but none of them can ever displace this ultimate knowledge, Aham Brahman. So Vedanta Vidvat Anubhavaha, meaning that this ultimate earlier conclusions or understanding of experiences were all fallacious and this is Vedanta Vidvat Anubhava. This is the experience of wise man based on the vision of Vedanta. And thus, concluding the whole discussion, it is says in the passage 136, Evam Adhyaropaha Evam in this manner, Adhyaropaha. This is how you explain Adhyaropaha or superimposition. Thus, the superimposition has been explained in twofold ways. Superimposition, general superimposition meaning superimposition of the whole creation upon Brahma and then particular superimposition meaning superimposition of these various notions of the self upon Brahman and this twofold superimposition has thus been discussed. So Adhyaropa, we earlier said Adhyaropa Apavada Nyaya, that's what the author said. By the method of Adhyaropa in Apavada the nature of the truth or the nature of the self is revealed of that the discussion of Adhyaropa or superimposition is thus concluded. Okay. <clears throat> Om Puranamadaf Puranamidam Puranat Puranamudachyade Puranasya Puranamadaya Puranameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavantau Punaf Punaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmevi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyomavadvyakta dehaya dakshina murtaye namahan Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Gurubhyo namahan Hari Om